When, uh, when Jackie and I, our two children were younger, Emma and Dylan, uh, they, they developed their speaking abilities fairly quickly. And um, especially my daughter, Emma, uh, who may or may not be here today, she, um, she developed her uh, ability to speak pretty early on, and she was very inquisitive all the time. In fact, there were times in the car where the questions would not stop, <laughs> nonstop questions. And both Emma and Dylan played these, this game, the what if game is what I call it. And they would, uh, what if it rains? What if we run out of gas? What if, uh, you just fill in the blank. And it just was constant. And so then we developed a new game. We called it the quiet game. <laughs> so five minutes, five minutes where you don't say anything. They did not like that game. <clears throat> because what's the, the natural question? Why do we have to do that? See, it's, it's just never ends. Never ends. Questions, questions. We have questions. We, uh, boy, we, we don't grow out of it. We get older and it seems like we have more questions because we don't uh, often get the answers we want. And uh, this life of faith, of following Jesus in the times we're in, uh, it's tough. And, uh, you know, Ryan was singing, that song just gets me every time. You know, he won't fail. He won't. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. I mean, they're just never ending. And uh, at every age, we've always been wondering, what, when is it going to be over? When will it happen? And people have speculated and speculated and written books and charts and all kinds of things about how the end times will happen and this will happen. And, and, well, because, because we have questions. We want to know, when is it going to end? You might have questions like, you know, why am I not as handsome as Ben? That may be a question that's <laughs> pending right now for you. I, okay, maybe not. But legitimately, we, we wonder, when is the end going to happen? When is new heavens and new earth going to be here? And some of us... We've had a, a pretty good run in our life, but others of us have had some struggles. And it seems like when we go through struggles, we start asking questions, right? You've heard these questions, why me? Why did this happen? You know? And you, you wonder. People get diagnosed with something, didn't see it coming. Why me? Why now? We have lots of questions. And I think part of it is, we wonder when it's going to happen, when, when, when will the end of the age be? Because part of us deep down, and I think this is a stamp of God on every one of our hearts, we want divine justice. We do. Human justice haven't, hasn't cut it. Age to age, horrible things have happened through history, and we need divine justice. As big as that concept is, our hearts long for God to make things right. Don't we? And we realize we're sinful people. We're, 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 we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Thank the Lord. That's the good news gospel. But we see things going on, and, and it seems like human justice just falls short. So I think we have questions about the end because we want to see divine justice. But we also, we want to, we want to step into new creation, new heavens, new, where there be no more tears anymore, no more darkness. I mean, that's something that we long for too. What is this new creation? When God makes things right again, that's why I think we naturally, especially as Christ followers, we ask these questions. And we're not alone because we saw the disciples, even last week, as we were looking at earlier in Matthew 24, they too had questions. 
when will this be, Lord? When will this happen? When are, you, when are you going to make everything right? And it's a natural thing. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us today, whether that be in person or online. We gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. We meet on Sundays because that was the day Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee rose from the dead and changed human history forever and changed many of our hearts right here in this room. That's why we gather. Today we're going to be in part two of the Olive Grove Sessions. Some of your Bibles might, might call it the Olivet Discourse. Such a weird term. I decided I'd rename it just the Olive Grove Sessions. They're in the, the Mount of Olives there, looking over the city, and Jesus is teaching his disciples all about uh, what to kind of expect. And then, more importantly, how ought we to live with that expectation. So that's where we're leaning into today. So if you have a Bible or device, find Matthew chapter 24. And uh, while you're doing that, uh, allow me to pray over us. Our Father and our God in heaven, you are mighty and powerful. You love us way more than we can possibly imagine, even though we're, may, we're way more sinful than we even want to realize. Father, you're good and your mercies are new every morning, and we lean in heavy to what your Holy Spirit might do right here in this room, and that, Father, you would help us uh, to, to live in expectation, but also live on mission. Would you empower us for that? Move by the power of your Holy Spirit in our gathering today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible or device, hopefully you've got Matthew 24. If you can, would you stand with me? This is the Word of God, and, and boy, is it good. I'm going to start with verse 32. So we're going to roll back the tape a little bit just to kind of catch up into this passage. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and, put out, it, and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, given in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant, is that servant who, who his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's have a seat. Wow, talk about a, a fun passage to preach on today. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, boy, how to unpack that one. Well, we start with a, a fig tree starting to do its thing to prepare for producing fruit. That seems pretty easy to understand. And as, as they're there at the Mount of Olives, I'm, I'm guessing he might have been looking at some olive trees there. And, uh, and so he's using a very familiar metaphor. But when you see these things happen, uh, you know that there's going to be production starting here soon. Um, and very simply, I mean, leaves be sprouting, summer be coming. That's, that's how we started this passage. So this, this sense that we're going to see some things that should clue us in. We're going to see some signs, some things going on that should clue us in. But Jesus even here is doing a very similar thing like we saw last time. Apocalyptic literature is hard to nail down because he's telescoping out and he's coming back. He's telescoping out. So in that same breath, he's talking about the fig tree. He says, my words will never pass away even if heaven and earth does. So you see where he's going in, and then he's zeroing, going way back out again. Kind of the greater story of God, and then the many stories in that greater story of God. He's doing this over and over. And he uses that phrase, you, when you see this happen, you're going to be right at the gates. And so there's another hint to what would soon happen to the temple and Jerusalem within a generation with the Roman, the Roman army coming in and destroying the city and the temple. So we get this telescoping out and then back. So it's a little tricky to be able to put uh, time frames on it. And, and, and when this happens, this happens. And his words will never pass away. Now, I know that there's opinions galore on these passages. And maybe you've heard people talk about them. I mean... You got the flood thing, right? Where uh, people were unaware. They're, they're, they're doing their life. They're having parties, you know. Um, and then the flood comes and, and catches them unaware. And, and they're, they're taken away. Now the question is, well, who was taken away? Well, in that story, who was swept off the earth in that sense? Was it Noah's family or everybody else? And we're like, huh, okay. And then he's speaks about some other things. Well, what about two people in a field? And they're just doing their work, and one's taken, one's left. Okay, which is taken? The righteous or the wicked? And then and you've got two women just working at the mill. One's taken, one's left. If you heard me talk about last week, I remember as a kid uh, seeing some, some, some films about how the end times works. And I think in one of those films, the, the pilot of the plane is raptured off. And then the whole plane with women men and children, they're all, it goes down in flames. And I was scared to death. But I've recently learned that, okay, that's one of the many opinions of what, what might happen at the, the end of the age. And the thing is, we can press these, but we may run into trouble if we press them too hard. Because I think we miss the point if we're pressing in that hard. What was Jesus' point? Keep watch, yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. I think that's the point we miss if we try to lean in too hard. In fact, D.A. Carson wrote about this passage, and he was saying that, look, if, if we follow what Jesus is saying, you have the, the, the wicked you know, taken out, and, 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 and then the Noah is 
saved with his family. Uh, so you have this image of two men in the field and two women grinding in the hand mill, which will be taken, what's, who's going to be left. And it, it, it would suggest in these stories that maybe the wicked are taken off to judgment and the rest are left. So, so there, there, there's lots of different opinions out there. And you may have a different opinion than I have. There's, there's whole books on the study of the end times. Eschatology is the $5 word. But there's a lot of opinions out there. And it's easy to miss Jesus' point. You won't know. So how ought you to live then? We could get all confused on this thing, but how ought you to live knowing that you won't know? In fact, he even says, look, you're, 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 the angels don't even know. The Son of Man, he's talking about himself now. The Son of Man doesn't even know, so he's limited in that sense. Only the Father knows. So how ought we to be? We just won't know. When the Son of Man's royal appearing will happen, as we saw last time, we had images of trumpets being blown, uh, lightning flashing from one side of the sky to the other. The whole world will know. There's not some secret club, it's in my view. I think we're going to know. Everybody's going to know on the planet. This is happening. But we're in a delay mode. Right? Just like the story Jesus told about the, the master of the house goes away and he leaves. He's got three people, his servants, and he gives some resources to one servant. Some resor- they all get resources, and he's delayed a long time. I think we're in that delay moment right now. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I bet a big one is God's heart's pretty big. And he would prefer as many around that banquet table when the Messiah comes as possible. He wants to give it more time so that that person that you actually know might have a shot. They might have a little glimmer of hope and you're uniquely positioned like no one else for that delay. He's delaying another week, another day, another month so that you have an opportunity to let someone else in on the banquet. He's calling. Everybody gets to be part of this banquet. Go out. Find them. Bring them in. His heart is that big, and I think that's why the delay is here with us. Some of us, yeah, we've had a good run. Our our life has been pretty pretty even keeled. Some of us have had struggles since as long as back as we can remember. And we wonder, when will you come back? Some of us are older in this room. Some of us are younger. We may have more time. We may not. We're in a, a delay, and while we're in the delay, waiting for Jesus to come back, how ought we to be? What sorts of people should we be? If he's delaying, there might be a reason that that coffee you haven't had, that phone call you haven't made. I mean, let's put it personal. That person in your life, that family member that maybe you blacklisted a long time ago, maybe that needs to be dealt with. He's delayed for a reason. And maybe He's got some missional work that you could do in your life. God's heart is big for everyone to come back. And the deal is, we have zero control over... It's amazing to me, the older I get, the more I realize how little control I have on so many things. And it's very frustrating. It is, right? I mean, I... 
Yeah, I just, as we, old, we get older, we realize there's just a lot of things we cannot control. And we can't control when he comes back. We don't know. So we have some work to do while we're waiting. And, and he would prefer that we're not uh, spending our time and resources doing evil stuff. He would prefer that we would do good stuff. Not that that earns our salvation. Don't play that weird game. But the idea is he wants us to be about things helping other people. In fact, I think Jesus said that weird phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And he might have meant your actual neighbor. That's the sort of thing we're about while we're waiting in this delay mode. And yes, people have gotten real obsessed with the end time stuff. And I get it. I can nerd out too. I can. It's interesting. Oh, how does this work? How does this work with the other Old Testament prophets? But recognize most of us don't even read actual poetry. So if you're going to try to discern apocalyptic literature, you better do your homework. Because it's not normally how we, uh, the stuff we read, the stuff we know. I can nerd out on it. But I realize that sometimes you can, you can get all obsessed about something and miss the greater point. We can obsess about, well, which person is taken, which person is left. When Jesus' point was, be aware, be awake, watch and be about the good work. And so he would prefer, when he comes back, whenever that is, we have no control, that we're about the good things he's called us to do. We already know what that is. It's almost like sometimes we will, we will find ways to not do what's the obvious thing he's asked us to do, because we get all caught up in this other stuff. Does that ever happen to you? you know, let's, let's have another study about that. Let's, let's, sometimes we can be the answer to our own prayers by doing the good work he's called us to. What about your neighbor? He's called us to be blessed. If you're blessed in this room, you have work to do because we're called to be a blessing to other people. If you have more than you need, what would God call you to? You already know. You don't need another study on it. You don't need another Christian novel about it. You see what I'm saying? If you're blessed, be a blessing. That's how we ought to be while we're in this delay mode. When will we come back? We don't know. Are there going to be signs, rumors of wars? Yes, there's wars going on right now. And people are scratching their heads. Jesus already told us these things are going to happen. Trust me, he said. Keep awake, keep alert, and be about the good stuff I've called you to do. Be about the good. Because the thing is, there are people in your life right now that may not do the church thing, but there's still a hunger. They may not know what to call it, but I'm guaranteeing you have people in your life, people that you work with, people that your neighbors. You, know, you may have a neighbor or someone in your life that just got the phone call from the doctor. And they are at their wit's end. And they may, be, they may tell you about it. You know what that opportunity allows you to do? Without preaching at them or doing anything, you could say, for you? Look, the odds of them saying no to that question are low. Even if someone does not do the Jesus thing or church, someone praying for them, that's usually a green light go. Most people say, man, I could use, I could use it. I don't know what to do. These are the opportunities that the delay allows us. You don't need to preach at them. Pray over them. I got a chance to meet with somebody that was a, as a leader here in our town. I don't think they're much of a church-going person, but I got a chance to, 
to encourage them. They have a hard job. And, and I asked, hey, are there some things I can pray over for you? And, uh, and it was super life-giving in that moment. And I just realized how many people in your life and my life could use a touch like that. The delay allows that to happen. God's heart is that everyone that possibly could will be on that, around that banquet together. Right? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he's got that delay for us. What are you going to do with the delay? What are you going to do while you're waiting? He's got work for us to do. Let's be about that while we await his coming. And so that when he does come, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect all the time. It doesn't mean that we're still, we're never going to be perfect until new heavens and new earth. And that's only by Jesus. But while we're about that, every day we have opportunity. So how would you grade yourself? Right now, if you were to grade yourself on your management, like if, 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 if Jesus came back and uh, he sits you down at his desk and he opens up the MacBook with the spreadsheet, how is your investment of your life? Again, this is not earning our salvation. He just wants to know, how, you've been my servant. How, what, what have you done? What's, what's going on? Who have you loved? Who have you prayed for? Who have you encouraged? That sort of thing. Not, again, to, to somehow earn his faith. He already loves us. The vote is already cast. He loves us more than we could possibly imagine. He just wants now to know what, what have you done? You've gotten all these, you've, everybody's got their own giftings and abilities. He wants to know. How would you grade yourself? Would it be an A, a plus? Would it be an FO? Would it be a C? Would it be a D? What is it? How would you rate? And, and if, if right now you're thinking, my grade may not be what I want it to be, the delay is for you. Be about the good work. You see how this works? Because we won't know. We have no control over when, but we do have control about how we ought to live right now, right here. How is your stewardship? What about your love? Has it grown cold? Paul, in his letter to the Romans, speaks about love must be sincere. Is your love right now sincere? Is your love growing cold? Are you getting callous to the need around you? We're going to look at this next week, but Jesus doesn't pull punches when he talks about the judgment. And when we face him, he'll be saying, okay, well, what did you do for the least of these? How well have we done with the least of these? With the people that might inconvenience us. The people that don't look, vote, or act like us. He's going to ask us, I, he'll even say probably to each of us, you know what I told you before I left. They'll know your mind because of love. Not your t-shirt, not the bumper sticker, love. This is how we ought to live now. Is your love, has your love grown cold? These are the questions we need to ask. Let me ask it a different way. Are you living with any kind of urgency at all? If we don't know when he's coming back, does urgency bother us at all? What, what about telling Jesus a story? I got a chance yesterday. Uh, some of you know that I, I do some like, part-time stuff at a, at a winery not too far from here. And, and through those relationships, I've met a lot of people. And uh, many of them don't have a church home. And I was honored to be asked to do a celebration of life yesterday 
for, for, and they, they said on the phone, we don't really want anything religious. But it's amazing to me. And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. And so I talked about Jesus. And, and then I said, would you guys be okay if we just recited something that you may have heard as a kid? And, it's, and I recited it out of the King James Version. Because that's what I grew up with. We did the Lord's Prayer together. And more than one voice joined me. I don't know what opportunities you have. Those are some opportunities that I've been given. What about your opportunities? What circles of influence are you in? People that you work with, people in your neighborhood. The delay is for you. He's wanting you to show love to someone, to be that person, to love that neighbor. So he's calling us to stay awake. Right? We don't know what's coming. Stay awake, always be ready, and be about the good work. <clears throat> you know, there's, there have been times where in my life, I've, I've, I've wondered about Jesus' return. And sometimes we get this weird thought that if he comes back and I'm in an act of sin, I'm not part of the kingdom anymore. We play this weird game. No, Jesus loves you. You're in the kingdom. But he'd be like, man, I wish you would have been able to do some more good with that time. And But he'll give us a big hug. He's called us to be about the good to stay awake, to be ready, to be about the good work, and live basically an eyes-wide-open sort of life, that we were looking for those opportunities that God might have for us, to pray over someone, uh, to show an encouragement. There's a lot of people that could use a little word of hope that feel pretty desperate, and we get a chance to show them hope. So we're, we're called to live this eyes-wide-open life and to remain watchful, walking every day with anticipation, and realizing that we have a mission. Every one of you in this room have a mission. If you said yes to Jesus, you are the mission agency. And God is believing in you. He's counting on you. So those opportunities come. That person tells you, I, I got that diagnosis. That's a signpost. I'm going to pray over you. See, this is a beautiful thing. We get to be part of that mission until he comes back. Every day we live with this anticipation of new heavens and new earth. Awesome. There's people I can't wait to see in new heavens and new earth. But right now he's called us to be engaged in the mission. And this walking with Jesus, keeping our hearts warm, it's, it's easy to drift. One of my favorite authors is Max Lucado. Some of you might have read some Max Lucado. This comes from uh, the book Six Hours, One Friday. It's written a long time ago. And, uh, and I think this is a good encouragement for us. If you lose your faith, you'll probably do so gradually. Tiny increments, you'll get spiritually sloppy. You'll let a few days slip without consulting your compass. Your sails will go untrimmed. Your, your rigging will go unprepared. And worst of all, you'll forget to anchor your boat. And before you know it, you'll be bouncing from wave to wave in stormy seas, Stability in the storm comes not from seeking some kind of new special message, but from understanding an old one. The most reliable anchor points are not recent discoveries, but the time-tested truths that have held their ground against the winds of change. Attach your soul to these boulders, Christ as a firm foundation, and no wave will be big enough to wash you away keeping our hearts warm so that our love won't grow cold, 
to live with eyes wide open, to stay awake, be alert, be about the good work. This is what we ought to do because we don't know when he's coming back. Right? Does that make sense? And you know it. You already know. It, it, that's, why, that's why we talk about Scripture and prayer. Healthy doses of that. Doctor's orders. Scripture and prayer. It means accountability. It means eyeball to eyeball. It means, it means we're, we're meeting together like this and worshiping together. There's a sense of unity and mission when that happens. Uh, it, it means obedience. It means that every one of you, if you said yes to Jesus, you are a disciple maker. You know how to make disciples? Real easy. What did Jesus say? How do we do it? Put it into practice. Every one of you are now deputized. Make disciples. In your circles of influence. You have people that, that I won't know. He's called us to be about these things. That's why we talk about this. Loving your neighbor. Making disciples. This is the thing we are about until Jesus comes back. Imagine, imagine a church like us. People like us that are living with these eyes wide open for every opportunity to encourage, to show love, to go the extra mile, to love that person who we might call the least, to love our neighbor. Imagine a church like that. I think that would change the world. Let's do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you. We thank you for your great love and your faithfulness. Your mercies are new. Lord, help us to be a people on mission that while you're on delay, we have work to do, mission to accomplish. To, to show your love to everyone we meet. Lord, I pray this week we each would have an opportunity to pray with someone, to have a coffee with someone, to have lunch, to encourage someone. All the more as we see the day approaching. Lord, would you do your work through us? In Jesus' name, amen.